0: Mana, 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 This is social disgusting. Welcome to Social Disgusting, a podcast where my guests and I discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves. I am Brandon, A.K. Brandon. Hope you're well. My guest is a producer of multiple varieties, currently in the form of an editorial and talent producer for Marvel and a producer for the George Lucas Talk Show, and previously the talent booker for the Chris Gethard Show and talent coordinator for the President Show. Please welcome Patrick Kotner. Welcome. Hey,
1: how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I know that's your question. I didn't mean to use it. but uh, Oh,
0: yeah, and I'm, I'm already furious. So It just
1: came out. It just slipped out. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, I hate that. I mean, I have this thing tightly scripted. You have your script. Mm-hmm. I emailed it to you. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you're already going off the page and improv is infuriating. Hey, man, that's my thing. Get ready. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> I forget you're a disruptor. So, yeah, thank yep. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for being on. I appreciate your time. Yeah, of course. So, you already forced my hand. Here's the <laughs> question. The deeply unfair question, but how are you?
1: um i'm doing okay i don't want to say i'm doing great i don't want to say i'm doing awful because i think in the grand scheme of things i'm doing a lot better than most people but uh you know not as not as good as some other people so i think it's fair to put it like right right smack dab in the
0: middle you know yeah no i know exactly what you mean i know we did talk about this a little bit a little peek behind the curtain but ooh, yeah ooh. But it's, uh, <laughs> I feel like two of those okay related things that I learned in all this is like, first of all, it is perfectly fine, if not weirdly healthy to just be okay and just mm-hmm. shoot for that, right? Yeah. But then at the same time, it's okay to not be okay. Those are the two totally. main things um, in that regard. I think I've gotten better at
1: saying that I'm doing okay during this. I feel like normally in regular world, it was a lot of, oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing great. You know, like that. Yeah. And now it's like been easier to accept that I can just be like,
0: uh, you know, you know, I'm alive. <laughs> I'm alive. That's okay. It's also weirdly put me in the position of having to think about the answer to that question. Yeah. You know, as opposed to my stock answer of like good. I'm like, somebody asked me that. I'm like, how am I? Let me. Th- yeah. What, what word would I actually accurately use to describe myself right now?
1: It's been fascinating because I used to start off emails with hope all's well, which is just like an easy catch all, you know? Sure. And now I've changed it to hope you're doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, like, yeah. I think that sort of sums up everything where it's like, uh, you know, everyone everyone has uh, lowered their expectations and that's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like you started off pre- previously, like, oh, you're great. You're like, yeah, yeah let me temper yeah. that. I don't expect you to mm-hmm. be. And that's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Let yeah, me not I make something weirdly, as- ignorantly like, aspirational in that regard. Yes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> how's New York been? How have you been going? I know you said previously, you're in a story of Queens, but yeah, how's that right Yeah,
1: Yeah. I mean, here's the thing I barely leave my apartment. And I know a lot of people say that, but it's I think it's more true for me. I've been into Manhattan once since March 10th. I've had a car only two days. One day, my roommate and I drove out to the end of Long Island just on a beach just so we could sit and look at the water for like 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> and then the second day, I rented a car because I got my first shot. Uh, a week ago, first nice. vaccine shot. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was, you know, it was nice to get it. I, don't, I wouldn't say it was great. Mentally, it's great at the very Mentally, least. Mentally, it's great. Yeah, yeah. But I, I leave my apartment like once every like two weeks or so, something like that. So I think it's doing fine. I think it's doing better than it was. It was real.
0: I don't know where, where are you based? Do you, do you say that out oh, here? Yeah. I'm, no, no. I just forgot to mention it beforehand. Yeah, I'm in Little Rock, Arkansas.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, it was real um <laughs> I'm g- I'm gonna swear. I assume I can swear on here. Oh, I don't go know. Go for it. It was real fucking bleak here for a while. It was Fair. like real Especially in the beginning, because it felt like this was like one of the big hotspots. And I think that that put it in my mind where it was like, oh, yeah, you shouldn't leave the house. You're you got a roommate and we're both just going to stay here. And that's okay." Yeah. And it it, it has gotten um, a little bit better. And obviously things are opening up, uh, you know, whether we like it or not. So, you know, we'll see. I imagine I'll still be inside for a while, even after I get the shot. So it's one of those things that we will, uh, you know, take it as take it as it comes.
0: Yeah, that's what I was curious about, because I've been thinking about, I've not, like, my dad is fully vaccinated. My mom has had one of the two. Sister mm-hmm. is fully vaccinated because she's a essential worker, but mm-hmm. I've gotten zero of two. But I've been thinking about, like, like, post getting both vaccinations, what will I be doing?
1: But that's pretty good odds for out of the four of you, for three of you to mostly be vaccinated. That's pretty good.
0: Oh, no, we're very lucky. Like, no yeah. question about yeah. it. And I'm yeah. in no way, like, like in any way, like, resentful of, like, how dare you have them and I don't. But I'm yeah. thinking about, like, once I get my two, part of me's like, now what? You know, like, what do I do? Because it's not going to be a dramatic... I don't see myself doing a dramatic 180 of what I did previous to that.
1: Yeah, I've sort of um, written off most of this year already, <laughs>
0: which... That's fair.
1: Is You know, it is what it is. I'm happy that I've accepted it, that this is just how it's going to be. So, I mean, we'll see. I don't know. I don't see myself... I don't see myself going out and doing stuff until, you know, at least my roommate is vaccinated. And I think that'll be a while. So
0: I feel like of the two, though, uh, that's the healthier approach. Yeah, at least at least at least then it's a win if you can do something sooner than you expected. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like, oh, this is nice. That's a relief.
1: I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. (laughs) But who knows? Who knows? You know, that may change. Maybe everyone will be vaccinated by (laughs) May or June and then great. Well, I'll go live, uh, you know. Live happier lives, but uh, I'm I'm uh, a negative Nancy and think it's going to be a little bit longer than that.
0: We'll see. Yeah, I'm skeptical to to say the least about that. But in a way that it's like, of course, I would think this, but like it's a healthy skepticism. Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. what skeptic doesn't think they're a reasonable skeptic? I mean, yeah. But I don't think uh, I'm gonna. I mean, I feel like going forward is just mask life. Honestly, for me, Mm -hmm. I, I don't see myself going back from that at least yeah not for the foreseeable future to be honest
1: i want one of those ugh, god i don't even know the right word for it i'm gonna say bubble head but i know that that's not right where i know it's what you're talking like, about though. you know what i'm talking about i want yeah. one of those i'm ready for that i'm fine with it i'm okay with the weird looks i like to think i will be fine with not doing a mask by the end of the year or whatever but who knows and i think that having a freaking bubble around my head will uh, satisfy my <laughs> my my scared
0: nature. At this point, like, I'm not deeply against even one of those, like, Flaming Lips-esque mm-hmm. giant inflatable balls. Totally. I mean, you know, I feel like just protect all of it. At least have a little fun with it. Maybe mow down a few enemies. Here's the thing.
1: Yeah, I think that's easier in uh, Arkansas than it is in Queens. You know what I mean? Very
0: fair. Very fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not getting
1: on a subway anytime soon in a... In a flaming lips ball. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: uh that is like a rare a rare like win for a place like in Arkansas, for example. Yeah. Like, our population density obviously being so much dramatically less yeah. that uh we've been preparing, quote unquote, for a pandemic in that regard the entire yeah. time. Yeah. A rare win for Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to ask you, there is a sentence on your website. Oh yeah. PatrickCottner that gets more and more interesting as you read it. And the sentence is <laughs> and the sentence is he also helped launch the serious XM slate of Marvel podcasts. Yeah. Including booking guests such as Killer Mike, Michelle Rodriguez, and Jamel Hill. But then this is the wait, what? Yeah. For a talk show hosted by Method Man. Yeah. Yeah. That's a sentence.
1: It is a sentence. It is a sentence. Uh let's see. I mean, it's available now. You guys can go listen to it if you want. It's called Marvel Method. It was a serious radio show that they released as a podcast, but it's really fun. He's a fun host. I worked with him when he did The Gethard Show a few years ago. He was a guest and he was so freaking good. And that episode is on HBO Max. This is just my, I'm going to make this whole thing my plug segment. That episode's on HBO Max and he's so funny and charming during that. And I was so psyched that we got to do more stuff with him because he's a really cool, weird guy. And it's weird, not weird, but like weird in that He's good at everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's it's surprising in the best way possible. But yeah, it's really, it's a fun show. And I think uh, I think people would like it because we get weird, surprising, interesting guests that you don't normally hear. You know, you get to hear Michelle Rodriguez talk about what uh, comics she liked as a kid. And, like, uh, you know, obviously people like Kevin Smith and Gethard and, like, the, the people that you do get to hear talk about comics a lot. They get into the more nitty-gritty and they get to meet some of the creators on that show that they really... Uh, Looked up to as kids and it's it's a fun show. I think people like it.
0: It sounds really cool I need to listen to that because yeah I don't know, I guess, I don't know where in my head I thought that sentence was going or who would be the host, <laughs> yeah. but to for the last two words of it to yeah. be Method Man, yeah, did not, not exactly like an M. Night Shyamalan-esque twist, yeah. but not dramatically far off either for me. So
1: Listen, I think, I think one of the through lines when you look at the things that I've worked on is they're all weird and fun in ways you don't expect. Fair. And I think that that is one of them where it's like, Oh, yeah, I know what a talk show is. I know what, you know, people talking about comics are. Oh, interesting. Why is he the host? Like, that is the thing that I (laughs) like doing through almost everything. It's it's something that, you know, it's not a boring day to day job. And and we're still having fun with it, because it's it throws fun curveballs at you that you don't see coming.
0: Well, look, I would sooner, you know, have an interesting person that you wouldn't necessarily expect to. Just yeah. to show in general mm-hmm. as opposed to like something where it's like oh i know exactly what i have with this person totally totally it keeps you on your toes and that's fine absolutely how did you get into talent producing
1: i um went to school in new york i mean if you want the full story i'll give you the full story but i went to Ladies. school in new york and started going to ucb a lot uh ucb for those who don't know uh was an improv theater here that was started by amy poehler and matt walsh and ian roberts and matt besser who are you know comedians who you've seen and everything And I was going to this show, Ask Cat a Lot, on Sunday, which was their big improv show where they would have celebrities come in and tell stories. And then a bunch of the best improvisers at the theater and, you know, people who you see on TV and movies all the time uh, would do scenes based off of those stories. So I started going to that almost every weekend and saw this guy, Chris Gethard, there. And this was before his show started on public access. It was still like just at the theater. And a few months into it, his show started up on New York public access and it was streaming online. And I was like, I should go to this. I like this guy. Uh, I think he's funny. And it seems like a fun thing. So I started going. I started going every week. And then a few weeks in, I said to myself, I'm here already. I should just work here. Which is not something that, like, you can say for most TV shows that you go to. Yeah. You don't go see a taping of Jimmy Fallon and you're like, you know what? I'm just going to work here whether they like it or not. That's not
0: really how it works. (laughs) I'm just here now. Let's do this.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, they said yes, they, you know, desperately needed people to work on it because they wanted to get audience and they wanted to get more, you know, talented people working on it. And I, I had worked a little bit in production, like interning on stuff and PAing, but nothing massive at that point. So i worked on it for a few years. The show moved to cable and I was like the production coordinator for the first season. And the people who were booking ASCAP that show at UCB were leaving and Shannon O'Neill, who was running the theater was also a regular on the Guthrie show. She emailed me one day out of the blue and was like, Hey, these people are leaving. You know, I think you would be good at this job. I know you've never done anything like it. Do you want to try it? And I was like, hell yeah, I want to try it. Cause at that point I was sort of just like floating in the ether, not really knowing what I wanted to do. I was like doing a lot of coordinating and a lot of paperwork and like just organizing. And it was not super exciting for me. Some people like that kind of thing, but it was just not for me really. And I was like, yeah, of course. So it led to me, you know, booking two shows a week, two of the biggest shows a week at UCB, which is not a brag, it's just a fact. Like, it's not, I'm not meaning for that to come off sounding snotty, but it was like the big show at the theater. And I, you know, I got a lot of really cool people uh, there both early on and all the way through. I ended up doing it through, you know, May of last year when they were still doing a little bit of online stuff. And that led to Gethard being like, you're already doing talent. And I was already sort of doing talent on the first season of the show. I was like being the liaison between the talent when they got there. He was like, you should just book people and you should, you know, do the job for real. Um, And that just led to me, you know, getting the president show and getting, uh, you know, everything else. And eventually led to me getting Marvel and um, that. But then I was also booking people for the George Lucas talk show, which is what I'm working on now. But it was a UCB live show for six years or something like that so that was sort of running concurrently at the same time but it was uh yeah it's fun and it's a different job that you don't really hear a lot of people talk about so i've sort of had to figure it out on my own but i'm happy that it's worked out and you know hopefully i keep doing it but i don't really know you know we'll see we'll see There's not a lot of talent jobs and the people who get those talent jobs don't really leave those jobs. You see that the people like Conan who are booking guests have been there for like 25 years or like, you know, the Fallon people have been with him since he started. So it's like not really a, it's not a big turnover rate, but it's fun and I like it. And you know, who knows where it'll go.
0: What do you think are like maybe some of the necessary traits that it takes to be a talent booker?
1: Yeah. Um, Patience. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Just because my, I mean, a lot of my job is just emailing Dozens and dozens and dozens of people. Like, if you look at how many people I emailed for ascat over like the six years, I had a spreadsheet for a while, and it was like in the thousands. Like, I did five hundred shows, but I probably emailed or uh, yeah, yeah, it was five hundred shows, but I probably emailed I don't know six thousand people or something like that. Like, you just yeah. don't hear back from so many people. Yeah, that you realize. I mean, especially at a thing like that where I could have people who wrote for the New York Times or I could have an SNL cast member. Or I could have like a celebrity chef, you know, like it could be anybody who I thought would be good there. So you have to have patience, but you also have to be able to expand what you're thinking the guest could be like, you know, on something like Ethered Show, you would start and be like, yeah, we're going to have all comedians on the show, of course. But then it's like, no, we're going to have Ira Glass and we're going to have Diddy and Method Man and like Paul Giamatti, you know, so it's not the people that you always think of first that are turn out to be the best guests. And I think that's something you need to be good at sitting with yourself in your thoughts and saying, who would actually be good at doing this? But also I need, you know, someone every week or two people or three people every week. So there comes a point where it's like, I just need people. And that (laughs) happens too, where you're you're like, I just gotta fill this (laughs) spot. I gotta fill it.
0: It's a numbers game at a certain point. Sometimes. Uh. Absolutely. Absolutely. I never thought about it that way, about what it would be to book somebody and kind of like approaching it, maybe like a casting director would of, oh, yeah. this person would be right, but this would be an interesting choice because I've never seen this person do this, for example. Totally. Totally. That's very like that outside of the box thinking of, you know, it's like you have these obvious people who would be great for a thing or who would yeah. be quote unquote right for it. But who would be really interesting in this totally. setting?
1: And that's why, I mean. I was really proud of what I did at ASCAT, and it was like, you could come one week, and it was Keegan-Michael Key, but you could come another week, and it was Mark Hamill, and you could come another week, and it was Alan Alda, or like, Paul Schaefer, Meredith Vieira, or like, you know, it could be anybody, and you would have no idea, and we didn't announce it beforehand, so that's what kept it exciting, and what kept people wanting to keep coming, because they didn't know, you know, who was going to show up the next week, so that was always, it was always a, a fun thing to watch the reactions of people as the guests came out.
0: I was gonna say I I like the idea too yeah you're you get a person you're like oh this is gonna be fun and to have that review of like people are gonna love this yeah that's very exciting
1: I think we had Keegan-Michael Key the week that Key and Peele finished like the series finale and then like we had like Sarah Koenig the host of Serial the week that the season one finale aired of Serial like we got a lot of cool people at cool times and that was always very yeah too for me
0: oh that's really cool and also I imagine too like the Taking like a pride and you you cast somebody or put somebody in something and then yeah they break big and you can like enjoy like that's mm-hmm. awesome you know to be invested yeah. in their success in that regard
1: totally totally it was always very
0: fun it was very fun I have a admittedly deeply ignorant question but I'll bring it let me preface it that way so I can like extricate myself from like yeah. being ignorant I listened to a podcast where you and Connor Ratliff were on mm-hmm. Connor being the titular George Lucas in the George Lucas talk show yes and he was talking about the original ucb based iteration and how it came to be yeah and how all like seemingly like wildly organic from start to finish for sure of how it came to be and you became the producer by him telling you you're the producer
1: yeah yeah which is very funny it was very dumb i i at the first ever george lucas talk show we did on stage It was at this grimy little place called the Producers Club where you could, like, rent a room for, like, a hundred bucks for a couple hours. that was the first place they ever did it because I think UCB did not have a room that month on their schedule for the show because they also admittedly did not know what the hell the show was. So, like, I don't think they wanted to give it that chance. And I was the warm-up comic for it. And it was one of those things that I did not know I was going to be the warm-up comic. I showed up and Connor was like, Hey, this other person can't make it. Can you just do warm up? And I'm like, not a performer, not a comedian. And he like pushed me out there to do it. And I didn't really work on the show that much for the next couple months. But then at a certain point, I was like, I'm going to help out because I'm coming to these again, anyways. So like, you might as well just let me do stuff. And then maybe like six months into the show, he introduced me to someone at the bar outside of the theater. He's like, Oh, this is Patrick. He produces the show. I was like, What the hell are you talking about? I like said that to him. (laughs) Like, oh, really? Yeah, I said that to him in front of the person. I wish I could remember who the person was, but I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, you're the producer. And I was like, you have to tell someone stuff like that. Like, that can't just be <laughs> something that you just drop on someone. You got to be, you know, you got to say, hey, uh, you, should, you should be the producer, not just assume they know it. <laughs> yeah. But he's a he's a lunatic. So like, it's, it, it's par for the course for him. Previous to that, were you a giant Star Wars fan before that? <sighs> yes. I mean, yes. I it definitely went through waves. As a kid growing up, I was a huge Star Wars fan. I was huge, huge, huge. And it was one of those things where I learned so much about Star Wars as a kid. And, it, you know, it's one of those things that you just can't flush out of your head. Yeah. So even if you're like, I don't want to know that Ben Quadraneros is a pod racer. It's somewhere, it's somewhere in the back of my brain and I can't get rid of it no matter what happens. So there was definitely the dark period between like episode 3 and you know Disney buying Star Wars where I was not super into Star Wars still was but like not not heavily into it sure. and that's sort of when that show started was like right around when Disney bought Star Wars so it was it was definitely at the point where it started ramping back up and now I'm just forced to be you know forced <laughs> to be very into Star Wars not that it, I wouldn't have been anyways but it's something that takes up so much time out of my week that I'm, yeah. I have now become the Star Wars guy, whether I like it or not. So,
0: well, that's why I was curious because, like, I could see, it feels like that Star Wars is like so in the cultural zeitgeist yeah. that if you've been a kid between 1977 and now, it's played some sort of role, depending, you know, to wild, probably different degrees. But so it's like in there for a lot of people. Yeah. But. I didn't know if maybe you became even more of one just through like the osmosis of being a part of a show that, although it's not obviously entirely what the show's about, obviously yeah. it's not just strictly that, but you kind of, my like, stuff just seeps in I mean, and it's I'll like say, all around you.
1: Yeah. I was five when the special editions came out and I was seven when episode one came out. So okay. I was kind of that perfect age for those movies. So it just hit right at the right time. And I honestly, I'll say this and I don't think you would disagree with me. I'm a bigger fan of Star Wars than Connor is. I know more about Star Wars than Connor does. Griffin knows more about Star Wars than Connor does. He's very good at knowing what he knows and building that into the character and, uh, you know, improv his way around it. It's always fun to see someone, someone who is a real fan come on, like a real fan, come on the show and be like, well, George, of course you created a Saj Ventress and she, and, and Connor will just be like, well, yeah, of course, you know, that was part of the cartoons. Like he just, does, he doesn't know anything about the character, but he can, he can bullshit his way out of it exactly um, that's uh, so funny yeah
0: yeah <laughs> that's so funny yeah just to improv his way out of a corner totally as like well yeah i mean yeah i mean i'm george of course i would I he also
1: had i mean he also has the out of being a quote-unquote 76 year old man so he can forget a lot of stuff um <laughs> which Perfect. he uses he uses that a lot which is always a fun it's a fun little thing for people to see if they're watching the shows you'd be like oh yeah he doesn't know what he's talking about right now
0: I just love somebody. and obviously, I mean, by the nature of what like improv is, but just somebody just bullshitting their way out of a corner totally is deeply entertaining. I will
1: say he is the king of it. He was like that back on stage, and he he's very good at just uh, you know bullshitting his way out of any any conversation. That was one of his strong suits as an improviser. That is one of his strong suits as an improviser. He still is, <laughs> even if they're not doing it
0: on stage. <laughs> it's a honed skill. He's put in his. Malcolm Gladwellian in, in ten thousand hours. <laughs> yes, I think we've put in
1: ten thousand hours since since last year online.. Fair. Alone.
0: How has that transition been from you know, a live show to being strictly internet or online right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been different. It's a very different show than it was, you know, even down to the fact that like I'm in it now and I was not an on stage performer during that show. So like it's a new dynamic that everyone has needed to figure out. I think if you watch the early, like the May the 4th uh, marathon thing that we did last year, it was like 33 hours or whatever. You'll see a lot closer of what the show was on stage, like the dynamic, because I wasn't really a part of it. And like, they were still early in figuring out their characters, you know, what they were going to be in this iteration of it. But because that, that first initial marathon that we did, I think it was 33 hours. And that's like half of the amount of time that all of the stage shows were. Like, if you add up all of the <laughs> stage shows, it was, like, 75 hours. So That's the insane. fact that we did half of that in one day, you know, it automatically changes that show immensely because it just adds so much to their, to their you know, uh, working knowledge and working relationship with those characters. The stage show, it would normally have, like, three guests at a time, which sort of becomes untenable online because when you get to have, like, you know, six people or whatever on screen, a lot of people end up talking over each other yeah it was a lot more standard talk show i would say than what the show maybe has become the show's become a lot bittier and a lot like more interactive and a lot more surreal and goofier i think than maybe what it was but i think that's for the better and i think it's it's the only way that you know it, it people always say if if You know, like for if they're running a show, they're like, if the show doesn't evolve, it dies. That was something that we always said on The Gethard Show, at least, where it's like it needs to change in order to stay fresh and stay relevant. And I think that the show's done a good job over the last year of, you know, not staying stagnant and in the same spot that we always were, but changing and figuring out what the more fun thing is and what the more entertaining thing is, both for us and for the
0: audience. You know, I think something could be said, too, for which is, I guess, very appropriate for something that at least circles around Star Wars, mm-hmm. of creating a lore around a show yeah, yeah. and having inside jokes and things like that. And people get really invested in stuff like that.
1: For sure. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I think about a lot, mostly because I'm like, do we need to start stop making so much lore because it becomes untenable for new viewers to come in? <laughs> yeah. But it's something that I think we try to uh, explain what we're talking about almost every time. You know, if we're doing a bit, we're like, oh, well, here's the full story of this bit. Even though the audience has heard it 40 times, we're going to tell it again. So I think that helps new people come in to a certain point. But yeah, I mean, there's so much lore at this point. There's so much lore. But at the same time, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know where to hop in. I've never seen the show. You can definitely find an episode with a guest that you like. And there's been like 200 guests at this point. So you will find someone that you like. And I think most of them serve as a fairly easy a fairly easy entry point. I think you can make it work. But yeah, we try to make it easy for new viewers. We try. We really do.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, obviously it's good to be inclusive. I mean, just thinking about it too, from the perspective of like a producer and a booker, Mm -hmm. not having to factor in geography must be a delight for you. Oh, it's the best. In terms of who you can reach out to.
1: It's the best. Something you'll notice looking at, I would say 90% of the guests that we've gotten so far is their LA based And it's been a very conscious, specific choice because I'm like, we couldn't get these people normally. Now's the time to do it while we're, you know, stuck here and they're stuck inside and everybody's stuck inside. And I I think that will probably keep being the case for the most part is like, let's get the people that we couldn't get normally and the people that we want to be friends with or want to know that live on the other side of the country where it's like, yeah, we're going to force you to spend two hours or four hours or six hours with us, (laughs) however long you want to stay, you know, like Manzuka stayed, I think, five and a half or six hours a few months ago darcy Carden and stayed like four and a half hours like it's crazy the people that will just hang out for a very long time <laughs> yeah but yeah yeah it's it's definitely been a conscious choice to get people that wouldn't be able to do it
0: well, yeah and i imagine from your perspective too that like booking it maybe even like in the ucb days like pre online and where geography doesn't really matter you think yeah. of people and you're like oh well no they're not here i can't they can't do that yeah and to totally. be able to exercise that list and they'll also be yeah. like oh i can go i can in theory get anybody, anybody. who's reachable right now yeah
1: Yeah, it's the best. It's, uh, I mean, you know, obviously you still get people where it's like their rep sees the email and they're like, what the hell is this? I'm not going to send this on to them, (laughs) Uh, which is the case a lot. But yeah, I mean, when the show started, it was also at midnight (laughs) in the East Village. So that was also something that like you couldn't get a solid amount of people because everyone was like, no, I'm not coming out at midnight for a show about Star Wars. And I don't even like Star Wars. So it's been nice to see (laughs) This show just get easier for people to do, so they have less of an excuse not to do it.
0: Yeah, it's awesome to be able to have that opportunity. Yeah. And, and again, to be able to be like, oh, now that again, that geography doesn't matter. This, yeah. this person, you would not expect, but they would be great for this thing. Yeah.
1: We've got, listen, we got some cool people coming up where I was like, I'm, I'm glad that we can use LA people, because it wasn't, we would never be able to get these people otherwise.
0: Looking through the list of the people you've had on, yeah. it's a hell of a list. It's, it's really cool. impressive
1: yeah, it's a pretty good list. we've gotten we've gotten real lucky. Some of them are people that we knew. Some of them were just cold asks that just went out and they just happened to say yes. But yeah, it's I mean, we it, it's both a comedy who's who and like just a cool people who's who. You know what I mean? Where it's yeah. like these people are just cool and they're down to do cool, weird shit. and that's what I love. I don't think I've worked on a quote unquote, normal show ever um <laughs> like booking people. <laughs> it's always been like, the Guthrie show, where it's like, yeah, it's a live call in talk show where we don't really know what's going to happen. Or it's the president show where, like, yeah, this guy's dressed up as freaking Donald Trump, or like, this guy's dressed up as George Lucas, or like, you got to come talk about Marvel. Like, if you're down to do cool, weird stuff, I think people like you more or like respect you if they're like, oh, that's rad that they did that. Yeah, I think they're, uh, you know, I think more of them than I did before this. And I think some people recognize that. And it's always nice when those people see that and realize that that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, it must be incredibly fulfilling to do that, you know, on top of it. In a dramatic departure from what we're talking about, that I was curious about, like what I know you're reading a book right now that is about monsters. I didn't make out what I the am. book was. What is the book? Because that's that uh, Bobby Bobby Boone Pickett. I forget the Bobby name. Boris his name. Yeah, Bobby, Bobby Boris, Boris Pickett. Yeah, Bobby Boris Pickett. Damn it! Yeah. I say yeah. that, and I have somebody. I thought somebody on the show who wrote a script about his life, and it's a great script. Called, Whoa, that's uh, right. I think it's good. Yeah, and uh, it's great. It's a really good script. Oh wow. Yeah, and it's really interesting. Like his life is fascinating. But I saw that in in there. And I was like, well, th- I don't know if this feels like more of a overall monster book, but what is the book exactly? Yeah,
1: it's this book called The Monster Show uh which is written by this guy David Skull, who's kind of a monster movie uh historian, I guess. And I I was oh, always into the old Universal monsters as a kid. Like that was it was kind of one of the thing it, it was probably the first thing I was like obsessed with. Like that got me into like just creature makeup which sort of is one of the things that i love about star wars is like the effects in the makeup and the prosthetics and you know the the puppets and all that kind of stuff but it's this book that sort of just like goes through the history of monster movies from both like a critical point and like a uh, uh uh like historical point like what was going on in the world around then and and what is the story the production story behind some of these movies like what you know what was the development of the script for dracula like like that kind of thing it's just it's just interesting to read it not knowing the story behind a lot of those movies and to like realize you know uh how much like uh you know the wolfman was sort of the monster during world war ii and like how it why it was so popular because it like reminded people of like the nazis and all that you know just like interesting things that i would never have thought of
0: that sounds like genuinely great especially like watching something of like (laughs) wolfman but then it provides critical like context to it in a way that i never would have anticipated yeah that sounds great
1: yeah it's good it's good i recommend it i've got i've got like 50 pages left i'm almost done with it
0: yeah i know it's not obviously the same thing it's a similar thing but i rewatched Two of the Mummy movies, not yeah. the, the newer iterations. Yeah. Gotta say, first one holds up very well. The the 30s is... one or the Brendan Fraser one? The Brendan Fraser one.
1: Yes, yes, yes. I, I just watched that for the first time. I'd never seen it before. What'd you think? I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I You know, obviously the CGI does not <laughs> necessarily <laughs> pass the smell test now, but uh, yeah. I think it does capture that fun, creepy vibe of those Universal movies more so than, you know, the... Tom Cruise mummy one, or like any any of the monster reboots that they've tried to do over the last few years.
0: Yeah, that's fair. The dark universe that they try to create. Yes. yes. Woo boy, (laughs) dead on arrival. But (laughs) yes, uh, Mm -hmm. I'd say that by the way. But I would pay good money to see whatever the Jekyll and Hyde movie with Russell Crowe would be. Because oh,
1: listen, I would pay to see any of them.
0: They all look insane,
1: and that's you know that's
0: what I want. What else, if anything, have you been like watching and or reading during all this? Oh, consuming boy.
1: as it were? I I mean it's been so much. My roommate and I were watching every theatrically released movie on Disney Plus in chronological order. Oh <laughs> wow. Yeah. So we started when Disney Plus came out, which was November twenty nineteen, I guess. All right? Is that right? Yeah. I think it was twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah. November twenty nineteen. And then but this week Oh my gosh. Brandon, I'm about to I'm about to ruin your day. Oh, give me. We would always go off this playlist. That was called Through the Decades. And they it like put everything in order and they took that playlist away. Really? So now I'm like I don't know how to watch the next thing. I don't know what's next in order.
0: You're like do we go remaining alphabetical? What are we doing here? I got 1937 through 2013, Brandon. Holy shit. How many movies is that? It's too many. It's a lot,
1: right? It's too many movies. We watched. I'm gonna pull up how many we watched last year total. It was like far too many movies. We watched. God damn it, 610 movies last year. It was a lot. Wow. It was a lot. So we've been we've been, but we also watched. We did The Sopranos again, and we did Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, and we did The Leftovers, and we're plowing through the season four and five of The Muppet Show right now. And, um, yeah, we're, 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 we're pushing through a lot of stuff. We're, you know, but I'm also trying to read a lot. I'm trying to, like, equal out my time between the two. Because I know that if I just watch a bunch of movies, I will never, I will never read. (laughs) And I need to do more of that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know what you mean. I I know for me, like, I've been doing the, uh, like, pretentious sounding but still earnest white watching of a lot of 70s movies that I'd missed out on. And kind of gems that I didn't even know existed. So I've been doing... It's been a very Elliot Gould heavy 2021 for me so far. God, I love love him. him.
1: We just watched a movie. uh, Shoot, what is it called? Hang on one sec. We watched an Elliot Gould, George Segal movie called California Split. That's really good.
0: It is so good. I love that movie very much. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. We just watched it. We've never seen it. Um, It's really fun. Elliot Gould's uh, the king. He's the king.
0: You know, they talk about, like, cool movie stars of, like, Redford and Newman and all these others, but L.A. Gould is, like, an underrated, supremely cool actor and yeah, person, man. seemingly.
1: Yeah, man. And still, still to this day, putting out good performances and stuff when he shows up. He's great. Yeah, he's the best. He's the best.
0: Yes. 2021, the year of me officially anointing myself a Gould head. <laughs> but he's great. I'm a big yeah. fan. Well, I don't want to take too much more, too much more of your time. Yeah. But um, first of all, thank you for doing this. This yeah, has been of course, great. Of course. And um, what all do you want to point people toward, if anything?
1: I mean, George Lucas Talk Show airs every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on planetscum.live, which is Chris Gethard's Twitch channel. But it is also, every episode is on YouTube. You can dig through. There's like 275 hours at this point of stuff. Find a guest you like, just pop on that episode, and I think you'll figure it out. It's a guy pretending to be George Lucas and a guy pretending to be... <laughs> a CGI character from Star Wars. It's very dumb. It's very (laughs) silly, but it's fun. And there's a lot of really good people on. And uh, I don't know. Follow me on Twitter at Patrick Cotner. P-A-T-R-I-C-K-C-O-T-N-O-I-R. I'm trying to get more followers than the canceled NBC show 1600 pen. And we're closing (laughs) in. We're quickly closing in. So...
0: Okay, we got to put you over the top then. Yeah,
1: we got to. I think this will do it.
0: (laughs) Thank you again. This was great.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. Thank you all for listening. please take care. Please. Wear a mask or seven. Lead with empathy. Be kind to yourself, etc. Thank you again. Bye. <music>